This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hi, and welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Mark and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is, the, who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guests to read the AA preamble, which is read to the, at the start of every AA meeting. Hi, I'm Mary and I'm an alcoholic. This is the AA preamble. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other, that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Thanks, Mary. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you don't have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model, and the victim is as helpless as the sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends up in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it is an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand never enough. And yet because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, 
is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise helpless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who has just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. We're just about to interview an AA member who is going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest. Would you like... um, to introduce yourself and give us a sketch of who you are, um, age, and how long you've been sober, maybe occupation. Hi, my name's Mary and I'm an alcoholic. Um, I've been sober for 12 and a half years and I'm a, um, I work as a, as a volunteer teacher aide. Uh, I, I, I was born in Christchurch. My father was a butcher, um, I've got a sister who's in the fellowship in another city. Um, uh, oh, um, what else? Um, I go. Oh, I don't know. I have hob- I, I have hobbies now that I didn't have when I was drinking. Like I go walking quite a lot, and um, I belong to a walking group. Um, I've got I've got f- f- friends now that I probably never had or would have had. You know, had I got had I not got sober, friends and and Alcoholics Anonymous and friends and other um, other activities that I do. Thanks, thanks, Mary. Can I ask you uh, when you started drinking and how it progressed? I started drinking when I was fifteen, and um, in Christchurch, and like probably in my friend from school. Um, I'm a I'm a Catholic. My uh, I went to Marion College, I have to say that, and um, I had a friend, um, we're in the seventh form, I thought, no, we're in the fifth form, and um, my friend's sister had a party at her flat, I think on Peter, you know, Salisbury Street, Peterborough Street, round the um, sort of, I don't know, you know, between, between Barbados Street and Madras Street, around there somewhere, and uh, there were, um, her sister had a party, and... Um, there, there was a brother, as an older brother as well, and he brought friends to the party, and the friends had beer, cans of beer, and we, for some reason we were sitting on the staircase at this party, staircase of the house, and these guys kept passing cans of beer down to me, and I was, you know, I was drinking them, and um, yeah, that, that's how I started drinking. Cool. And how did it progress? Um, how did you drink? Did you drink socially, alone, um, binge drinking? Well, I, I, um, I, I drank with, with that friend that was at, that her sister had the party. I drank with her um, on like on Friday and Saturday nights. So I can still remember. Uh, I grew up in St Albans, Roosevelt Ave, and. Um, you know, we used to go. We used to go. Like, I mean, we used to go to the Albion. I remember going to the Albion pub, and um, but we'd go to the bottle store. And I suppose I looked old for my older for my age because I was tall, and um, and so would I'd I'd be able to buy liquor probably at fifteen, which is quite young. Um, you know, I'd be able to buy liquor from from bottle stores. Yeah. And so I'd, dr- I'd drink it, we'd drink it, I'd drink it in town with my friend. 
And I'd always drink more than she did. And um, I, I didn't know, you know, how strong the alcohol was. I'd say I'd drink, one week I'd drink, I don't know, stub, two, some stubbies of beer and another week I'd drink a bottle of wine and I didn't know that the wine was stronger than the beer. Did you ever feel like you had a problem and ever try to stop? Yeah, I think I did. I think, um, oh, um, well, I, well, I don't know. I thought that it, my drinking, I thought it was cool and I, I thought it um, got me over my over problems that I had um, yeah, and I, um, so I mean I it was um, I think I think I may have realised that I had a problem a bit but you know that didn't make me stop I still keep drinking mm. so what made you realise you needed help um, like have you lost jobs or had run-ins with the law or had Damaged relationships. Yep, I um, I got DIC'd. Um, uh, oh, <clears throat> that, um, that was I don't know what year that was, but I once I got DIC'd, I thought because based on a friend of mine what she'd done, I thought that was when I realised that I I could I probably did have a problem, and um. I think that's when I started going to twelve step fellowships, um, but I, um, I didn't, I didn't stop drinking. Even even though I was still going to, I was going to twelve step fellowships. I still um, drank. How did you feel around that time? Like, were you how, mentally, emotionally, physically, um, and did you have a rock bottom? Yeah. Well, I, I, um, I felt. When I was, when I gave up drinking, that you know, I said I was still drinking. I don't. I probably was doing both. I was probably stopping drinking and drinking. And uh, um, you know, I felt really lonely at home because I own an apartment and I was living there, and I just felt lonely. You know, because I wasn't at the pub socialising. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, and a rock bottom. Is there a time where you just had, you felt you had a rock bottom? Um, well, I think I had lots of rock bottoms. You know, I vomited a lot. Um, you know, at the night I was drinking, and then um, the next morning I'd I'd be sick, and um, oh, that that was a rock bottom. That um, that was horrible, and I just I just kept. Th- Hoping, you know, um, like the next day after I drank, I just kept hoping that I hadn't spewed, that I, you know, that I um, hadn't been in blackout. Um, but I always had. Um, so, uh, you know, when I was drinking, I was socialising and I enjoyed that. But um, when I was wasn't drinking, I, um, I didn't. I, you know, I felt isolated and lonely. And how did you find yourself to your um, first AA meeting and what that felt like? Um, oh, um, yeah, I, I, no, I, just, I remember my first AA meeting. Um, it was, should I say what one it was? I, Waikiki South. Um, and um, 
Honestly, I thought that I'd be an absolute expert at AA when I went to my first meeting because um, it, there was a lot of there were banners on the wall with the twelve steps and the twelve traditions, and a, God was mentioned a lot, and you know, in the words of those traditions and steps. And I thought, I thought I'll be an absolute expert at this because I know all about God, and um, I really, really did. I really thought I was just, I just knew it all, and. Um, you know, I, um, I, I, can, I can also remember um, saying to somebody, like, I, you know, because I wanted to talk about my drinking. I wanted to talk about what happened when I went to the Caledonian. I wanted to talk about what happened when I went to Tiny's um, in 1066 that I got barred from because I drank the um, owner's wine and um, refused to pay my bar tab of, like, $80. And... Um, you know, next day after that, he he got this guy who drank at the pub who was a debt collector. He got him to ring me um, and tell me that I had to pay it um, or else I was going to get, I don't know what he, what he threatened me with. But, um, yeah, I just got my boyfriend to pay it. Because I had a, a lot of that time, oh, for two years of that time, um, I went out with a guy who lived at the New City Hotel a guy who lived in the cottage next door, and um, um, yeah, I got barred. I got barred from the new city, which not many people can say they've done, because I turned on all the barred, uh, the beer taps, and ran out of the pub. Um, and I mean, they, sorry, I, they. I mean, they used to give me, or one of the barmen used to give me these such concoct concoctions of alcohol. At the at the new city, just all these spirits in one glass. With he put something like I think he think he put something in it like I don't know whether it was cream or milk or and he'd call it a yummy and, and um yeah so I'd have one of those and then of course I'd say oh, I want to have another one but he'd say no 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 the bum say no you can't have another one you got to wait a while and oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so Mary, can you tell me um, like how AA members fit, made you feel when you were coming to AA? Like, what what was that like? And how, and how did you actually find out about AA? Well, my father was in AA, um, Murray Shackle, and um, he used to take he used to take us to meet. I've got two sisters. He used to take us to meetings occasionally. Because uh, he went to meetings, my dad did, but he didn't. We didn't think they were, they were very good. We didn't think they were very good at all. And uh, um, so, <clears throat> uh, so um, when I when I went started going to AA, um, yeah, I just rang the AA helpline and phone book, and um, that's how I got to my first meeting. Cool. So, in terms of recovery, like, how have you managed to stay sober? Like describe us your proper process of recovery. Um, well, I every morning um, I hand my will and my life over to God, as I understand Him, and um, I ask Him. I ask God to um, um, you know, with my thinking to sort of direct my thinking. Um, I kneel down by my bed and. Say say that say that in my head, and um, I also um, read the third and seventh step prayers out of the big book, 
and usually I read a reading from the daily reflections um, or other recovery books I've got, maybe um, some Al-Anon ones or, yeah. And how have you managed to, um, to just to deal with life sober? You know, how do you manage day to day to ensure your sobriety? Um, well, I find that going to meetings helps me stay sober. Um, and also, <clears throat> I, um, I just want to say that when I was drinking, um, a lot of my relationships with people, especially women, and I can think of one in particular, were weren't good. Um, they, yeah, they weren't good. I mean, I can't remember exactly what used to go wrong, but um, um, I've got a head injury as well. Uh, I was in the Southerner train accident at Rolleston where the concrete truck collided with the Southerner train, um, and that's affected me a lot, uh, you know, by being argumentative and um, things like that. So with alcohol, that's um, if I put alcohol with that as well, you know, it was a lethal combination. And, uh, yeah, I did get barred from quite a few pubs. But friends in AA, um, I've got I've got one friend in particular, um, you know, she, she's been absolutely fantastic to me. She's This friend has been sober for over 30 years. And um, when I first came into AA... Um, Oh, you know, I, I'm a bit sketchy about exactly you know the beginning of it and stuff. But um, when I first came into AA, I somehow I got a sponsor because he used to go to the lunchtime meetings at um, oh, what's it called um, um, in Durham Street, opposite the court. I used to go to meetings there, and I got a sponsor there, and um, I, oh, yeah. Um, and she, the sponsor, contacted this woman that I'm talking about that's been over sober for over 30 years and asked this woman if I could ring her. Um, yeah, so I, I used to ring her, ring this woman, and she, you know, she used to let me talk to her, and I used to thought the thing was great. And I, you know, rung the other woman that um, I met at the lunchtime meeting that became my sponsor. I rang her, and she let me talk to her as well. And yeah, it was good. I liked that. Yeah. So, how would you describe yourself in the life you have today? Um, well, I, um, oh, uh, I can, like, I can drive a car, um, and I'm, I'm always sober when I drive, um, because I, yeah, I think I used to, you know, do a bit of drink, drink driving, um, and obviously I did because I got DIC, but yeah, I can drive without. Any inhibition, um, you know. I've, um, I, um, this, oh, this friend that has been sober for thirty years. She basically lets me go and visit her any time I want to, which is really nice. And um, like, um, I lost a partner. I had a boyfriend, Gary, and he died of cancer in my in my recovery. And that was really hard, you know. It was really, really hard, and I cried a lot. And um, the neighbours used to complain where I lived, and um, but I got through that sober. You know, that's a that's a big thing. That's a big thing to go through, and um, I I did it sober. So, um, you know, how do I? I mean, how do I do that? You're like, 
honour sharing at meetings. Um, you know, I mean, I suppose there were times where I wish I died um, when, you know, after my partner died. And, you know, I said one time, I can remember sharing one time I missed my partner and I missed my dad. And, and sometimes I wished that I could just... Um, be in heaven with them and um, you know I was allowed to say that in meetings and people would talk to me afterwards about it and um, yeah so um, I think that's I think she you know sharing and being honest um, is has helped me a lot too thanks Mary any goals for the future um, oh yeah, I, yeah I'd like to do some more traveling yeah because I I lived in London for two years and I taught primary school kids. Um, uh, yeah, just, I don't know. Yeah, um, like, I think I just, um, like, you know, friends I've got now that, you know, look out, help a um, friend of mine. I help her sort of every Wednesday look after her little grandson who's about, who's going to be three in August. And I just love doing that. And, like, her, um, her daughter, my friend, friend's daughter has just had another baby a brother for this little boy uh, it's just yeah it's just really nice to sort of be in on that mm. and things like that that yeah that are really nice that may not have I may not have been capable to be a part of had I still been drinking yeah thanks Mary so alcohol alcohol anonymous is described as a spiritual program um what does spirituality mean for you um or like um, spirit, spirituality. Um, I think I pray. I think praying's important. I pray a lot, and uh, um, I don't know. Just things that happen, like um, oh, like um, I don't know if I find something or that I've been looking for, or um, you know, just you know. People that I meet, that I like, that I can talk to and stuff. Maybe that's got something to do with God as well. And yeah, awesome. Thank you. What would you suggest for any listeners who think they might have a drinking problem? I'd say ring the AA helpline. Look it up A in the phone book and look under Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, sometimes there isn't someone. In my experience, there hasn't always been someone to speak to, but. It may, you may get a phone number that you can ring someone, you know, straight away and talk to them. And uh, yeah, the, those people are t- that you ring, <clears throat> excuse me, probably um, aren't interested maybe in hearing so much about your drinking, but they're interested in talking about your recovery and um, you know, not picking up the first drink. Yeah. Are there any questions you'd ask someone to help them under- to figure out if they've got a problem? Um, oh, well, oh, well, I, um, um, I know someone who, he's in a rest home and he, he said he knows, he knows all, he knows all, exactly what's in the fridge. He knows exactly what alcohol he's got in, in the fridge in the lounge at the rest home. And, um, I think that may be a sign of alcoholism. So, um, it's all... Oh, like I was at someone's house and they were, the son, who's about 26, was playing a, a video game and he he was doing it like right in front of me so that, I don't know, it was, wasn't, it was sort of awkward. And um, 
I don't know. You know, I, th- I was just thinking mm. if he's just so determined to do that and play that game, when say when they've got a visitor, I mean, I think he's probably got a problem too. Mm. So it's not always well, not always about alcoholism, but I, I think you, I think you, le- I've learned to work, work out maybe with. Um, I don't. I don't know so much about people telling me they've got mm. a problem. Yeah. Now that's that's great, Mary. Thank you. And Mary, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. That's all right. Thank you for having me. Uh, you're welcome. For our listeners, if you're related to anything that you've heard or would like some information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from another AA member sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening, and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with a serenity prayer, as we do in every AA meeting. God, God, grant grant me the serenity serenity to accept accept the things things I cannot cannot change, change, courage courage to change change the things things I can, and and the the wisdom wisdom to know the the difference. difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.